Hello. Hello. I'm Casey. I'm Sarah. And we are Relatively Relatively Dark. Well, hello, sister. Well, hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Any news? Mm, No. Okay, I have news. She has news. She knows, but I need to spread it. My children got saved and baptized last weekend. Woot, woot. Yay. It's like the, I told them that's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Yes, the bestest decision. Yes. Yep. That. Right there. That right there. (laughs) Okay, do you want to get started? Yes, I do. So, for this episode, I'm going to do another uh, installment. Mm-hmm. We'll use that word of true crime throughout history for the month of March. Ooh. I'm excited. I like these. <laughs> yeah. This one isn't as long as the last one because there was a lot of cases that like need to be covered on their own. Yeah. So, on March 1st, in 1932, the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped. Oh, that's so crazy. I'm listening to a podcast about it right now. Really? Really. So this was a huge case. And if the name isn't at least familiar, not to you, but to anybody else, <laughs> then I would be very surprised. So I know who it was, but I don't know a lot of details. Yeah. Well, I do now. But I didn't. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the baby was Charles Lindbergh Jr. And he was 20 months old. Mm-hmm. He was kidnapped from his own room. And a note requesting $50,000 for the child was found. I do want to say that my information came from the History Channel. And I don't know if their dollar amounts are like in real time or what they were then. I think the $50,000 was what they asked for back then. If it was, then that's over a million dollars today. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I did look that one up. But I didn't other amounts because I really didn't know. Like, they don't have, like, any disclosure. Like, hey. Yeah. So, I wasn't sure. But anyway. Um, I don't want to go into a lot of detail on this one because I, this is one that I do believe would be great to cover on its own. Oh, yeah. For sure. Because I feel like it's almost so well known that people don't really know a lot of details. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I feel like this one should be covered later. We can do that. So, I will go ahead and let you know. That the body of baby Lindbergh was found less than a mile from the Lindbergh's home. Mm-hmm. And he had been killed the night he was taken. Yeah. So, there's a lot of information and details in between everything, but... That <laughs> is less than the tip of the iceberg right. when it comes to that case. So Trust me. And mm-hmm. I don't know all of the details, so... Okay. So, now we're going to move on to March the 2nd. In 1978... Charlie Chaplin's corpse was stolen from his grave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do you know about everything? Because <laughs> well, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I am Sarah. Hello. Yes. Nice to meet you. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't help it. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, Charlie Chaplin was an actor who played in a lot of comedies. He made films as well. He died on Christmas Day in 1977, and he was buried in a cemetery in Switzerland. The thieves called Chaplin's wife and demanded a ransom of about $600,000. I don't know if that's then or now. Either way, it's a lot. Which she said that Chaplin would have thought it was, quote, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, So she refused to give them anything. Two men were arrested for the crime. I didn't include their names because they're really hard to pronounce. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But um, they led the police to Chaplin's body on May 17th. 
One man who was thought to be the ringleader, he was sentenced to four and a half years. And the other man who probably had very little involvement, he was sentenced to 18 months. Mm -hmm. And when his family finally buried him for the second time, it was in a concrete grave. Yeah, I don't blame them. <laughs> I don't Would either. Would you pay or try to pay the ransom if somebody had taken no. the corpse no. of Luke? No. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't because... And it sounds harsh saying that, but... God forbid something like that happened to Joseph. Right. He'd be like, it's just a body. Right. I'm not like, there anymore. Don't be paying. Don't be spending my money. <laughs> right. On, yeah. On dead me. Yeah. I mean, other people who don't have the same beliefs as we do might feel differently. Yeah. Um, but no, they're not there anymore. That's just a dead vessel. Yeah. So not that I it would not be hard. Oh, yeah. It would definitely. be extremely difficult. But I would, I would definitely be bothered. Would, my priorities would be. Right. What I just said. <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah. On the same page. Next. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Next. That was so not even close to how you said it. But of course not. You can't mimic me. That's not true. I, can't. You can't. I can definitely mimic you. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, the 4th. Okay. Of March. So, in 1944, Louis Lepke Buckalter was executed. Okay. Lepke was the leader of pretty much all crime gangs in the United States at one time. Like, in the all, 30s. All of them. So, he kind of, like, didn't overtake all of them. He just kind of rose to be, like, I'm in charge. So, all the other gangs were still there. They just, I guess, ultimately answered to him. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and I almost said right. it, but I waited, and then you said it, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So, he was the head of Murder Incorporated. Okay. This was made up of possibly 250 of Lepke's hitmen. That's a lot of hitmen. Yes. He was executed on this day in 1944. Okay. Uh, not this day. The 4th of March. Anyway. <laughs> same day in 2005, Martha Stewart was released from prison. Uh, Yay, Martha. <laughs> yeah. She was found guilty of conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and making false statements. And she was sentenced to five months in prison and five months of home confinement. <laughs> so, there's that. <laughs> there's that. On the 5th, in 1969, an arrest warrant was issued for Jim Morrison after alleged inappropriate behavior at a concert in Miami. I haven't heard of this, which is weird. All right. So, for those of you who don't know, Jim Morrison, he was the lead singer of the band The Doors. Mm -hmm. uh, he was charged with lewd and lascivious behavior, indecent exposure, profanity, and drunkenness. And he originally thought the whole thing was a big joke. Huh. He didn't even think it was real. But it was. <laughs> he was found guilty and sentenced to six months in prison and a $500 fine. But he passed away before he served any time. Hmm. Although it was obvious that Morrison was extremely drunk at the concert, there were suspicions that the other charges never actually occurred. One fact that raised these suspicions was that almost every witness in some way had ties to the police or the district attorney. Hmm. Even though Morrison had already passed away, he was pardoned in 2010. Well, good. Yeah. So, he's obviously drunk up there on the stage, but as far as anything else in indecent exposure, that was never actually confirmed. Yeah. So, yeah. Moving on to the 8th of March. Okay. 1951, the Lonely Hearts Killers were executed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lonely Hearts Killers were Martha Beck and Martinez Fernandez. Martinez would respond to women in a Lonely Hearts Club, which is basically like an ad for people looking to meet someone. After meeting these women, he would gain enough trust to steal from them, and sometimes they were even murdered. Yeah. 
Martinez ended up responding to Beck, and instead of following through with his original plan, they apparently fell in love. Mm-hmm. Sorry if you hear any little grunts and stuff. I'm... Dog sitting. Yeah. My our, own dog. Our own dog. That's what I was going <laughs> to add. Yeah. <laughs> Together, Beck helped Martinez continue to steal from multiple women, but they were caught after the murder of one woman and her child who they buried in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. They're really crappy people. Yeah. <laughs> and they got women to trust him more because he was with a woman, so... Yeah, she posed as his sister. Yeah. So Which is kind of messed up. I mean, yeah. really messed up. But. Yeah. So this last woman that they had murdered, she had suspicions about Beck being his sister. Mm-hmm. They were allowed to move in, but she didn't give them him access to any of her bank accounts or any of her money. And then they got tired of waiting and they were murdered. Yeah. So after they were caught, they confessed, thinking that they were safe from the death penalty because they were in Michigan. Mm-hmm. But they were extradited to New York and were executed by electric chair. I want to say that maybe Beck's ad was in New York or something. Maybe that's where they lived maybe. originally. I don't know 100%, but I think that might be why they were sent back there. Extradited. Yeah, I was trying not to say that <laughs> word because it I know. might not come out right. Anyway, their lives were actually depicted in a 1969 movie called The Honeymoon Killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of different transitions instead of moving on and next. See? It's hard, isn't um, it? Anyway, the 10th. <laughs> March the 10th is next. Crap. Said next. Anyway. Our niece's birthday. Shout yes. out to you. We love you. Continue. Very much. 1864. Oh. Yes. Jack Slade was hanged by vigilantes in Montana. Okay. Does that sound familiar at all to you? No. Okay. It will. <laughs> this group of vigilantes was called the Vigilante Committee... That was formed while Henry Plummer's outlaw gang, called the Innocents, caused trouble in Virginia City in Bannock, Montana. Seriously? Still nothing? It vaguely, very, very vaguely familiar. The Innocents took in Boone Helm, the oh, Kentucky yeah, cannibal. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I knew, a, I said vaguely. It's been a while. Yeah, that was our second episode. Yeah, I don't like your judgment. That Sorry. was like 30 episodes ago. Well... <laughs> As soon as I saw vigilantes in Montana, I was like, huh, but I'm the one who did the research so and presented. So I guess it makes sense. It sticks in your brain a little more. Right. So the outlaw gang called the Innocents, which I already said, but that was disbanded and most were hanged the year before this. But the vigilante committee continued in the attempt at gaining peace for Virginia City. Uh-huh. Jack Slade, he was known for getting drunk and making threats, although he never actually hurt anybody. He just caused a lot of disruptions. A lot. Just a lot of empty threats. Yes. Really. It's not cool, Jack. Yeah. There were rumors that Slade had been a thief and a murderer in the past, but when he was apprehended by the vigilantes, he hadn't actually committed any serious crime. Huh. Yes. He had been increasingly labeled as a dangerous man by these so-called vigilantes, and he was hanged before he could even say goodbye to his wife. Aww. Yeah. So, this is an aspect of it's like... Oh, great. Vigilantes finally got rid of the innocents. You know, there was no, like, law there because Henry Plummer was actually the sheriff. Yeah. And then they go and do this the next year. Yeah, they got big for their bridges. Yeah. Too big for their bridges. Definitely. So, law enforcement was finally set up in Virginia City not long after this, but there were still some counts of citizens taking the law into their own hands for a while. In March of 1867, not sure of the date, but still falls in with the March thing. 
Um, there was a notice in the local newspaper of one in Montana City posted by miners that they would hang five vigilantes for every one man hanged by vigilantes. Dang. Yeah, so after that, the vigilantism pretty much stopped. They were like, okay, we're good. We we're had done. Our fun. Yeah. Bye. So, uh, it seems like they're, they did some questionable acts all in the name of getting peace for Virginia City. Poor yeah. Jack Slade. Yeah. Soul. <laughs> Soul. We need some transitions here. Next, we have. <laughs> Still on March 10th in 1993, Dr. David Gunn was murdered by an anti-abortion activist. Mm. I had one in my last one, too. Yeah. The murderer was Michael Griffin, and he had waited for Dr. Gunn to arrive at the abortion clinic in Pensacola, Florida, before shooting him three times in the back. Griffin gave himself up right after this, and he was sentenced to life in prison with the minimum of 25 years. This was actually the first killing of this kind by an anti-abortion activist, but it sparked many more. Oh, yeah. He had people who agreed with his actions, so they went and did it themselves. And then someone who agreed with that person's actions went off and did it, too. Yeah. So, this one was, it was in, a ripple effect. Yeah. Big chain reaction. I'll never understand how you justify we'll murder. See, I don't agree with it, but he's... Because somebody takes a life. This doctor was an OBGYN also. Yeah. He, it's not like he went in there and performed abortions and that's all he did. Most he of took the time, care, that's not all right. they do. They, that's just a very, very small yes. piece of what they do. He, he also provided prenatal care for pregnant women. And yes. women who may or may not need to get pregnant. So I will never agree with that. No. Next. Next. <laughs> the 11th. Okay. 1989. This was the debut of the TV show, Cops. Hmm. Yes. If you don't know what Cops is, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some facts you may not know. Well, I mean, I'll tell you. It's a just a reality TV show. Camera crew follows cops around arresting people. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. Responding to calls and stuff like that. It was unscripted, which that's pretty obvious. But at the time, it was kind of a big deal because there was a writer's strike in Hollywood. And the network needed something that didn't need writers. So, whenever they proposed, hey, let's do this. This will be good. They're like, okay. We don't need we don't writers. We need you. <laughs> right. It's the longest running TV show, running for about 30 years. Mm -hmm. The first episode was recorded in Broward County, Florida. There were over 1,000 episodes, and it was filmed in over 140 cities. Huh. Yep. Moving on to the 12th of March. Which is when we are recording this. Yeah. Happy 12th of March. <laughs> Happy what, Sunday. I'm going to tell you about the terrible things that happened on that day. It's one thing, and it's not really that bad. So, Okay. 1969. George Harrison was served with a search warrant for his home in London for drugs. Uh, oh, George. Yeah, George Harrison was a singer for the Beatles. Mm -hmm. He's my favorite. <laughs> Is he? Did not know that. Yeah. So, in this drug raid, a large amount of hashish was found. Hashish? Yes, that's what it's called. It's hash or hashish. Hashish. I'm not kidding. It is. What, what is hashish? Hashish is, it's different from marijuana, but it still comes from the cannabis plant. Okay. It's more potent. That's Yeah. Weird. Large and I amount. don't really know if I have a favorite beetle. They're all, it's not Ringo. Let's make sorry. sure we know that they know that. It's not, <laughs> I don't know what my favorite is, but it's not Ringo. It's not Ringo. I like Ringo, but it's, it's not Ringo. It's, I can't pick a favorite beetle. Kyle yeah, would agree with me on that. Okay. <laughs> so, George Harrison and Patty Boyd were both arrested 
and they were fined with 200, fined 250 pounds. They ended up missing the wedding of Paul and Linda McCartney because of the arrest, because it was the same day. Oh, wow, what jerks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I meant the people who arrested them, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Go to the wedding, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. So, on to the 13th. In 2020, Brianna Taylor, uh, she was killed by police in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. This is really sad. It was another case that made national news. So, a little bit of background information about this case. If you're not familiar with it, three police officers broke the door of the apartment when Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were sleeping. Walker fired first, thinking someone had broken into their apartment, hitting one officer in the leg, and all three officers fired back 32 times, hitting Taylor six times. The officers supposedly had a no-knock warrant to search the apartment during their investigation into Taylor's ex-boyfriend. According to newspaper reports, the warrant was changed to knock and announce, which the officers said they abided by, but Walker claimed that he didn't hear anything. So, one of the officers was fired, but he was acquitted of all charges, and the other two men weren't charged with anything. Mm. Walker was also not charged with anything. He was originally charged with attempted murder, but that was quickly dropped. Good. Right. It should be. Yes. This did mark... The beginning of an investigation into the Louisville Metro Police Department and the investigation exposed discrimination and abusive practices. Mm -hmm. No-knock warrants were also banned in Louisville, as outlined in the then-new Brianna's Law, and her family received a $12 million settlement in a wrongful death lawsuit. Good. Yep. So, some good that came from it, but yeah, very, very sad case. It is, and I do not like the no-knock. I understand that You need the element of surprise in some cases and stuff like that. But is it worth, you know, taking an innocent person's life? No. I think that if it's going to be no knock, then... You need to be sure the only person in that house is one. Yeah, there needs to be 100% sure. sure, They are guilty of whatever the search warrant is pertaining to. And that no knock was only banned in Louisville as far as I know. I mean, I'm not sure if it's legal anywhere else. Yeah, maybe but we this can look law, into it. this law was what made it banned in Louisville. Yeah. So, okay, less sad. Mm. The fourteenth in nineteen fifty, the FBI debuted the ten most wanted fugitives list. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. What year was this again? Sorry. Nineteen. That's okay. Nineteen fifty. Nineteen fifty. Yes. Since then, hundreds of criminals that were on the list have been captured or located, and over one hundred and fifty of these were because of tips from the public. Mm-hmm. So. Very helpful. Yes, very helpful indeed. Yes. Another less sad case. 1991, the Birmingham Six were released from prison. Do you know who they are? I've seen a documentary. <laughs> I think it's saved on my, my watch list. But I... <laughs> um, this case starts with the IRA, which is the Irish Republican Army, mm-hmm. over in England. We learned about that in oh, the yeah. Isabella Stewart Museum. Yes, they were a suspect. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on this one because this could be another good one to cover. Mm -hmm. In 1974, there were two pubs in Birmingham, England that were bombed, and the IRA actually took responsibility for the bombings. Hmm. Owned up to it. Okay. Yeah. There's probably more to it than that, but they eventually said, boom, we did it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Six men were arrested as suspects, and even though four of them signed confessions, the IRA said that those six men were not part of their organization. Okay. Weird. We yeah. did that, but they're not ours. So, I, don't, I don't know who, who these people are. <laughs> yeah. 
So these six men were actually convicted and they were sentenced to, quote, lengthy prison terms, end quote. Okay. I don't have the amount of years. Okay. <laughs> but due to many questionable and unreliable circumstances surrounding the case, the confessions, and the evidence, the men who became known as the Birmingham Six were released from prison after their sentences were overturned seven years later. Mm-hmm. So, going forward, I don't like that one. <laughs> Moving on to the 16th. 1881. Oh, okay. I like this one. I probably shouldn't, but I do. Okay. All right. So, in 1881, 18-year-old Lastania Abarta? No guarantees. Lastania? Yeah. L-A-S-T-A-N-I-A. Okay. Lastania Abarta. She murdered Francisco Forster in downtown Los Angeles. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Forster, who was then 40 years old and also known as a womanizer. He frequented a pool hall that Abarta worked at. It was her parents' pool hall, and she performed there, singing and playing guitar. Uh-huh. She met Forster there, and he invited her to perform at a party. Mm. And I think it was a party that was put on by the governor of California at the time. Oh, it's a big deal. Yes. Abarta and Forster ran off together after her performance, and Forster promised to marry her, and then they went to bed together. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a big deal at the time because women were expected to remain a virgin until they were married. Oh, yeah. And she was actually engaged to someone else. Oh. At the time. Someone so, she, her parents set her up with most likely. Possibly. She love. Possibly. Um, there's more to that than just like he met her once, she performed, they ran off together. But that's yeah. the, that's the gist. They were, she was supposedly in love with him. However, he was supposed to come back the next day. She stayed at a hotel, mm-hmm. and he never came back. So Abartha and her sister set out to find him. Hmm. The girls found Forster gambling at a racetrack, and I guess convinced him to go with them in their carriage to a church so they could be married. Uh-huh. Because they can't physically make him, I don't think. So on the way, Forster got out of the carriage, and Abartha pulled out a gun and shot him through the eye. Oh. Yes. Brutal. I do not condone murder. Okay. <laughs> Let me state this now. Obviously. <laughs> but this woman was engaged. She lost her virginity to this 40-year-old man who gave her the impression that he loved her. And after they did this deed, he was going to come back with a priest and they were going to be married. Yeah. And he never came back. How old was she? 18. 18. So, yeah, you don't mess with Lestania? Yeah. You don't mess with Lestania. So, her attorneys, this was out in public during the daytime so. oh it was i wasn't even thinking that it was daytime yeah so she was i mean it was pretty obvious she murdered the man yeah she didn't care who knew it apparently not her attorneys used the defense of female hysteria uh-huh. as the cause for her actions like pms and hormones can affect us to that extent yeah insert eye roll yeah <laughs> i've, I've I never mean, felt the need to murder anybody no Emotional, crying more than normal. Yes. Mm, I rate. Give me some Milano cookies, like, please. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that was very, very common back then for people oh, yeah. to think. So, one doctor testified, and this was in her defense, saying, quote, Any virtuous woman, when deprived of her virtue, would go mad undoubtedly. End quote. 
Undoubtedly. Yeah, so after only 20 minutes of deliberating, the jury, who were all men, by the way, mm-hmm. Abarta was acquitted. Oh, good. And then she was never seen again. <laughs> she was like, all right, I'm out. Peace. <laughs> um, female crazy over here. Bye. <laughs> don't come find me. Okay. Yeah, so I thought that one was pretty neat. Yeah, I don't like it, but I like it. Yeah. So we are going to go from the 16th to the 21st. Okay. In 1963. Leap. <laughs> the Alcatraz prison was shut down. Uh-huh. 1963. I thought it was, I think I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, I think I thought. I think I thought that it was later than that. Like it was still in use after 1963. That just seems like a long time ago. Like, I don't know. For the Alcatraz. It just always makes me think of Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the Alcatraz prison was located in the Bay of San Francisco, California, on a small island. It supposedly had the highest level of security at the time mm-hmm. and was inescapable. But. I don't know. Was it not? No, like three people escaped from Alcatraz. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Why didn't they tell me that? I think it that? was three. They're going to say that it's inescapable and not put that in there? I mean, that's like saying Titanic was unsinkable. Well, we all know that how that worked out. We all know how, how that worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It may not have been three people. Some For some reason, that's the number that's in my head. But I know there were escapes from Alcatraz. Clint Eastwood escaped from Alcatraz. <laughs> right. Yeah, name of the movie gives it away. Anyway, <laughs> the island was originally called Isla de los Alcatraces. I don't know if we're just going to say that. That's in Spanish. When it was first discovered, that's what the guy named it. Which means... Island of the Gannets, which is a large seabird, possibly pelicans. Okay. Which is weird. So he named it Island of the Pelicans. <laughs> and they basically just kept pelicans as the name <laughs> of the prison or the island, Alcatraz. Oh, Do you get it? Yeah. I sentence you to serve the rest of your life at pelicans. <laughs> is that not funny? <laughs> funny? At Gannets. I didn't know that. Island of the Gannets. Yeah. yeah. That's and then funny. it just I did switched. Yeah. That. Yup. So it was called so, that because of all the birds that the were there. The true crime museum that I visited in Pigeon Forge, everybody go check it out, is called um, the Pelicans Crime Museum. Hmm. Is it? It's Alcatraz. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Now that makes sense. You were like, oh, what? I wish everybody could have seen her face. I was like, I thought maybe you thought that was weird and didn't make sense. And now it does. I thought maybe a light bulb went off. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't have that happen very often, so... Anyway, so the building became a military prison in 1907, and it is now open for tourists. I would love to go see that. That would be pretty cool. So now we're going to jump from the 21st to the 24th. Okay. In 1998, there was a school shooting in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. The shooting was carried out by 13-year-old Mitchell Johnson and 11-year-old Andrew Golden. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The two boys met outside the school after Golden pulled a fire alarm, and they began shooting as people started coming out of the building. Oh, that's awful. Four students and one teacher were killed. Mm. Johnson and Golden were caught not long after the shooting, and they were imprisoned either in a delinquent institution or an adult prison until they were 21. There so was they just got out after that? One of Yeah, after they uh, turned 21, they were released. I think they both ended up back in prison for something or another, but one of them passed away mm. early in life. Yeah. I didn't read anything about a motive. 
for it, but I know that they were around guns a lot. Their family had them. They, um, one of them participated in shooting competitions. Yeah. So I don't know what their motive was for this. Yeah. I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but you have a certain mindset. You're around a combination of things surrounding guns. Some aren't bad. Some are. Then yeah, I affects you. I interrupted you and I said the wrong word, so I apologize on both counts. No, that's okay. <laughs> but they, I think that they were desensitized to it. Yeah. To the importance of it and everything. Not maybe that their parents did, but, or anything like that, but. Somehow or another. Yeah. Something went wrong. Yep. That's sad. Yeah, very. So the same day on the 24th in 2015, a German airline pilot crashed a plane into the French Alps intentionally. Okay. The co-pilot, Andres Lubitz, had locked the captain out of the cockpit when he left for a bathroom break. The crash killed everyone on the plane, which totaled 150 people. Dang. Yeah. Why? Lubitz had apparently struggled with severe depression Mm. and had even searched the internet for ways to commit suicide. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. He had also seen multiple doctors for some unidentified issue who stated that he was unfit to work, but he never notified anyone. I think that they believe that it was a suicide attempt. I mean, he obviously wasn't in the state of mind to really... Of course not. In one hand, he wasn't in the state of mind to... I mean, not necessarily like you can't blame him, but he also wasn't in the state of mind to really care. Yeah, like he wasn't even supposed to be asked. working at all. Not just yeah. flying a plane. Yeah. That's so sad. he definitely needed help. Yeah. We're, we're ending on some bummers. Sorry. <laughs> I think... Uh, it gets, yeah, it's not as bad. Okay. Yay. Uh, yay. On the 26th, in 1997, the cult members of Heaven's Gate were found. So there were a total of 21 women and 18 men that had committed suicide at the instruction of their leader, Marshall Applewhite. And this cult was actually covered by our sister Tina Mm -hmm. in episode 13 of our podcast. So if you would like to learn more about this, feel free to head back there and listen. She did a great job. You did a great job, Tina. She did. But yeah, so I didn't put any more information on that because it's she, back there. She's got us covered. Yeah. So on to the 27th. In 1905, the use of fingerprint evidence marked the beginning of the technique becoming common practice in solving mm-hmm. crimes. Fingerprints had been used before, but very rarely before it helped solve the murders of Thomas and Anne Farrow in South London. Okay. So that kind of escalated it. Yes. The Farrows were found inside their home by a neighbor. Their cash box was empty, so they automatically assumed it was a burglary, robbery, whatever. And one fingerprint was found that didn't match the owners. So it also didn't match the small number of files that they did have at the time. Mm -hmm. Two brothers were seen in the area and were later identified as Alfred and Albert Stratton. After talking with the Stratton's friends and family, the brothers were eventually brought in and Alfred's right thumbprint matched the print found on the cash box. Got him. Yeah. Got him. Sorry. <laughs> uh, both were found guilty and they were hanged on May 23rd. Ugh. Yeah. So this is in 1905. So they're still doing that. Yeah. So. Yay. No. Yay <laughs> to fingerprint evidence <laughs> helping to find justice. There we go. <laughs> Yay for fingerprints. That's the only, that's the extent of the happiness around yes. that story. Yes. <laughs> it's not as much about the story as like the fact that the technique is helping things. Yes. I'm done <laughs> with that. Um, last one, March 28th. Okay. <laughs> 1814. 
We're back when. This was the funeral of, side note, I have no idea how to say this. Okay. I'm going to do the best I can and it's probably not going to be right and I couldn't find it anywhere. You're going to do great. Probably not, but thank you for the optimism. So, the funeral for Dr. Joseph Ignace, Ignace Guillotin. Ignace Guillotin? No, it's Guillotin. There's no E at the end. It's spelled different, but yeah. We're going to say Joseph, Dr. Joseph. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was his, this was the date of his. Dr. J. Whatever. This was the date of his funeral. Okay. We apologize. <laughs> he was the man who invented the guillotine. Oh. Yes. It was oh. named after him, but it's spelled different. Guillotine, or it could be different. I don't know. Huh. Yes. He had hoped that it would be more of a sophisticated method compared to hanging, which did turn out to be true. Yeah. But the overuse of the machine and the fact that it was often used during the revolution, mm -hmm. it led to the guillotine being linked to the political abuse that took place during that time. Which was a lot. Yeah. So it kind of gave it a bad reputation. Yeah. But. He meant well. He did, I guess. In a way. I'm going to invent a machine to chop off heads. Good thing. Well, I just meant like he was trying to make it quicker than. Yeah. I've heard, less... I've heard hangings are pretty gruesome looking. I feel like anytime you watch somebody die, it's gruesome. Very true. But on the plus side, it's pretty much just lethal injection now. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> that's it. All done. I feel like there was more that I hadn't heard of in this one than the last one. Is that not true? Mm, I think so, but also I left some out that I thought would warrant an episode. Yeah. An entire episode. Yeah. I think you did a very good job. Thanks. I needed your approval. What is the word? I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. Well, email us your case suggestions, questions, concerns, comments, feedback. Personal stories. Personal stories. Yes. I knew I was leaving one out. <laughs> she usually does this part. Um, That's like the first one you say. Yeah. Yeah. You just left it for me to say. Exactly. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. Join our Facebook group. Yes. We now have Twitter, which we have not posted anything, but follow us on there. Maybe one day we will. Right. You never know. Um, <laughs> you won't know if you don't follow. Join Patreon. Become a relative. Uh, for... follow. Did you say follow us on Instagram? Yes, I did. I thought there was something else. Patreon will give you extra little tidbits. Yes. Um, It'll give you more information into some of the cases that we've already covered and a deeper dive into who we are and how silly we can be together if you want to get yeah. to know us better. Grab your snorkel. Snorkel? Yeah, deep dive. Oh, duh. That's a good one. Oh, thanks. Oh, a nice lapper. Um, but yeah, <sighs> thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Rate. Yes, rate. Follow. Review. Review. Those mean a lot more than you think they might. We really appreciate those. Yes, we do. Um, but yeah, we hope you keep listening. Yes, come back. Come back. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.